Hello and welcome to the Schmussel's Tenant House podcast. Uh, sorry, did I just say Schmussel's Tenant House? I meant to say the Schmuel Tenant House podcast. My name is Schmuel Tenant House, and this is my podcast. Uh, I have been exercising more often, and so that uh, changing Schmuel to Schmussel's was actually a Freudian slip, which I apologize for. It's actually not accurate either. I just feel that, again, if I manifest it subconsciously, it'll happen. Now, I do have a shameful confession because people are asking me, when's your next show going to come out? Like one person. So to that one person, I say I have a a shameful confession to make, and that is I don't want to go all public here on the podcast. It's really nobody's business, and I don't have to answer to anybody except for my wife all the time. And that is, uh, how do I say this? Uh, I have a job during the day, and that takes up a lot of my time. This podcast for now is a hobby. So it's not like you're, that one person is not important. You know who you are. It just sometimes I'm not able to get to it, and I, I'm really trying to, to get it together, and uh, hopefully I won't have to work forever. Uh, somebody just gives me a lot of money and says, hey, listen, we don't like any of the work you're doing for, for anybody anyways. Just do a bunch of podcasts, and we're happy to do it for you. Who knows? That might happen. Anyways, I have very exciting announcement to make. And this also relates to the fact that I wish I had more time to dedicate to my podcast, but we will take what I got. And that is, uh, after seeing Joe Rogan have Mark Zuckerberg on his podcast, and he has a very big podcast which have, with a very large audience that's super lucrative, I felt inspired. And I said, well, what can the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast do to compete with Joe Rogan having Mark Zuckerberg. So at the end of the show, I have a very special guest. I was going to keep it as a surprise, but I'm going to tell you who it is. Uh, I will be interviewing a banana. And obviously, just a random banana that I got from the fruit bowl in my house. Now, bananas can't talk, but I will be myself as the host, but I will also be speaking on behalf of the banana, which I will be interviewing. Please stay tuned for the end of the show. It's not a very long interview. It gets a little testy, but I will do my best. So last week, I was talking about people going on a double vacation during the summer and me finding out that towards the end, they went to another one. Anyways, I bumped into a friend of mine at a bar mitzvah last week, and I tell him, hey, I heard you went on a double vacation this summer. You first, you know, your parents told me you were in Italy, and then another person that I know told me that they saw you in the Bahamas. Now, this person tells me, hey, the Bahamas doesn't count as a vacation. Ouch. That was a gut punch, groin kick, all at the same time. That's very hurtful to tell somebody who uh, can't go to the Bahamas for many reasons. I have great friends. Another thing, I took my wife on a boat on the water because ever since we moved to Florida, she said, Florida has water and a boat goes on the water. Let's go on a boat right now on the water. So it took us a couple years, but I took my wife on the boat, rented the boat for two hours. We got there an hour and a half late. Actually, we got there only half an hour late. So let's say it lasts an hour and a half. I tell a friend of mine, or my friend tells me that he went on a boat. Now, he didn't go on a boat for two hours. He was on a boat with his whole family for the entire Shabbos. So... Now I'm comparing myself, who was on a boat for less than two hours, with a guy who was with his whole family on a boat for the entire Shabbos. Now, how can I compare myself to that? It's it just not, it, it, it's incomparable. The other thing is, is that his, he was on a boat for Shabbos. Baruch Hashem, his family did not perish. Now, if they would 
God forbid, if there was some crazy situation, I, I wouldn't feel as envious. But they survived. Everything survived. Everything went okay. And I'm like, wow. Anyways, one day I want to be in such a situation. I want to talk about people. And I've known people because I've worked in high tech and I've been in, in the non-religious world and the non-Jewish world. And I'm sure this exists in the Jewish world as well. And that is there are people who get married and they decide prior to getting married that they do not want to have children. So they just get together. They just love the fighting. So they want to move in with each other. And uh, also, if you, you if you don't get married, you can't get divorced and everybody's getting divorced. So people, people want in. So they've decided, yeah, we're, we're not having kids. So I have uh, no criticism to say about that. And people have the right to make their own decisions. I do want to explain, though, to this uh, segment of the population and to others where this idea really comes from, why they don't want to have children, and also to make an appeal to them, just based on what Elon Musk said, President Musk, about just the not having a large enough uh, population and doing IVF with coworkers just to make more people on this planet. And that is, so the reason why people don't want to have children subconsciously is because it's because they, at some point in their life, were in an airport and they saw a married couple, uh, could be a from couple, could be just a couple with multiple kids trying to get through airport security with a carriage and a car seat and formula being checked by security and another kid with a smelly diaper. At that point, again, they may not realize it, but subconsciously, the second they saw the husband trying to fold up the carriage and put it through the machine, the wife's shaitles on sideways at this point, uh, there are, you know, sweat lines all over everybody's clothing. At that point, somebody's uh, ovaries or whatever reproductive organs just say, you know what? Uh, we are going to never work again, and we never want to be part of this situation. And I totally get that. And again, people may not even realize it, but that is where the origins of this decision comes from. So what I want to tell you about is the Duna. The Duna now is is something that, again, maybe to reconsider your decision. The Duna is a stroller and a car seat all at the same time. So you just put in your car, you pull it out. It's a stroller. It's a car seat. It's like Superman, but in a stroller form. And have I convinced you at this point to have children? You got to go look it up online, Duna, and it is a stroller. It's it's not even German engineering. It's it's I believe Japanese. And again, if you were con- considering not having children, I just say, listen, keep an open mind. There have been technological advances, which, by the way, I disagree with my friend and cousin Hanala fellow podcaster who says the world is not as good as it was when we were growing up. It is way better thanks to the Duna. Everything is better thanks to the Duna. The Duna also will read your kid a story if you want and you get the the enhanced Duna. And as your child gets older, the Duna maybe grows with the child and continues to give them emotional support. Now, a story that happened to me this past Friday night. So we wanted to open up a fancy bottle of wine. So of course, you have to do surgery on the bottle just to make sure that you're not cutting any letters. So what happens is I take the bottle of wine. There is a seal on top of the corkscrew. So I manage very carefully not to use a corkscrew because then I would tear the letters. So I cut it off very finely like a surgical procedure. 
I get it off, I'm feeling very proud of myself, but then I look onto the cork and there are letters on the cork itself. So achievement unlocked, but then I hit a wall. So basically, I put that bottle away and went back to the Rashi wine sitting in the pantry, which is always uh, dependable and delicious. I'm wondering if anybody has ever gone through that situation where there's a lot of work done on the wine bottle, you get to a certain place, and then boom, you just can't get any further. It's like barbed wire just on a bottle of wine. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine, and he's a male, and you'll understand why that fact is important in a minute. And he started to get very emotional about something, and could be, could be he was even crying on the phone. And it was an emotional, a beautiful thing. But I did have to advise him as a friend, dude, you are a man. You got to bottle up those emotions. I don't want to hear you expressing yourself. I never, ever want to hear you express any feelings again. We are bros, okay? Bros before feelings. And so uh, if you're a male and you're listening to this, feelings, not good. Emotion, bad, bad. Locked down in the case Never talk about it again. Uh, maybe one time if you get drunk on some chastara and you just start crying to somebody, that's okay. But never again, when you talk to me, please, no feelings. Thank you. Now, I do have an ad for Amazon, which I thank them for continuing to be a sponsor on the program. They're one of the few companies that are still around and have money to buy advertising on the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Do you shop at Amazon? Of course you do. There's no one. There's nowhere else to actually shop online because uh, because we're Amazon. We want to tell you about our latest offering called Amazon Organs. That's right. We are now selling body organs. Don't worry. The government can't shut us down. We are more powerful than the government. Also, if the government would shut us down, then members of the government would never be able to get all the stuff they don't need in two days for the cheapest price. We have logistics. We have two-day delivery. So for example, if you want to go to Amazon and buy a kidney on Amazon for slash organ, the kidney, if you're a prime member, the kidney will come in two days. Same thing with the liver. Now, if you're not a prime member, you will get the heart or you will get a lung, but it can take you seven to 10 days because the last mile delivery could be very expensive. If you use prime though, you will get it a lot quicker. Now, if you choose and you love the earth and the world, what you can do is you can choose to get it in a longer amount of time, but you'll get a $1 credit on Amazon Prime Video. You'll get that, or you'll get a free download on Audible, which is another company that we purchased because they were a threat to another business being in existence. So yes, you can get your heart in two days, but again, if you decide you can get a $1 credit, you can get it three weeks from now, and hopefully you'll still be around by there. Go to Amazon forward slash organ. When you check out, please put in the Schmuel Tenenhaus podcast to get a 15% discount on any organ you will buy from Amazon. Okay, thank you Amazon for that. So now I wanna tell you, as a from Jew, Elul is here. So a couple things that everybody is well aware when Elul is here, okay? The first thing is, are you packing? What I mean by that is, if you are a very high spiritual religious person on Elul, you flip into somebody who walks around carrying a shayfer with them in their tefillin bag, or you're just holding it stam, stam azai, like it's a cell phone, and you're just walking around because you are shayfer packing because it is Elul. 
We are impressed. We love it. I'm not impressed if somebody has a pushka in their tefillin bag and there's coins flying all around. I don't care if you have uh, a chayenu looks like a, a dog was chewing on it and it's in your tefillin bag. That doesn't impress me much. What does impress me much is if, again, if you have your shoifer, if you have two shoifers, like one for Rashi, one for Benu Tam, and again, at any moment, you can just pull it out and just start sounding the shofar, I'm a very excited thing. Now, another thing that happens in Elul is what's called another, we referred to it on the earlier uh, episode. By the way, this is our 18th episode. Uh, this is episode chai. We're very excited. So another uh, FP from Perk is if it's Elul now, as a from Jew, what you're starting to think about is what are we going to eat Matzah Yom Kippur? Like when Yom Kippur is over, the count, you know, it's, it's less than 40 days. We're going to go with bagels. We're going to go to hot tea. We're going to go to a little thing of orange juice. We're going to go to peanut butter. Some people do Kiddush on Zex and Neitziker. That's uh, 96% proof alcohol. Sounds like a great idea. The other thing we have going on is you have to say the three extra Kapitalach. Also, you have to say Ladavid. Also, you know what? We start caring when somebody in Shul says, hey, can you say an extra capital chaf? Somebody's not feeling well. So you start feeling nervous. Hey, king is in the field. Let's make some amends. You'll say an extra capital chaf. So basically, during Elul, you're basically saying the whole tilim every day. Just say the whole tilim just to be safe. Also, there are many times in the year that you were not washing for bed. You're doing his, you're doing his dinus. You say brich for benching. Now is the time to get atonement. So you're doing that. Now, another one more thing that as a from Jew, you have to be experiencing right now, okay? Uh, this is what we refer to as Yom Tif covenants. And that is, basically, people are starting to prepare to go away from Yom Tif. However, and they're going to go to some exotic place, maybe the Bahamas, maybe to Mexico, maybe to Morocco, but still, there is a subset of the from population that does not have the means to go somewhere exotic or to some sort of program, because, of course, there are circus programs right now. So... What they do is, here's, here's what happens. Uh, you have family members. Neither of you have the means to go somewhere exotic. So you decide, you know what? Misery loves company. Let one family spend Yom Tif with the other family. The question is, who goes to whose house, right? You know, last year they went to this house. This year you come to my house. You know, traveling with the kids. But that's kind of ha- how it works. Now, what happens is, what should happen every year is, you have to co-make Yom Tif. You can't just have, like, we're just hosting. We can't just host you right now. We have our own family and kids. So the idea is you want to co-make Yom Tif. Like, you guys will buy the wine, we'll buy the matzah. You know, it's not Pesach time, it's Sukkot time. But the same thing applies for other Yom Tif. So you have to do, uh, uh, you know, again, co-making Yom Tif. Now, the sophisticated families, the ones who want to avoid a fight, what they'll do is, you know, instead of just having a chore list, the chore list is not going to count it. You can't just have a, a list that says, you know, you know, you'll clean up and we'll go grocery shopping. Because what happens is, you know, the family members that I'm talking about, they will always pick the easiest stuff. Like there's a barbecue, they're going to bring the napkins for the eighth time. You know, we don't want your napkins. We want you to actually bring some food. So if you want to too, you can have families that will always pick the easy, the easy jobs. So the, the best way that I think that a Yom Tif Covenant should happen moving forward is to uh, get a contract involved, a signed contract, and also each family should have an attorney. And that way, you know that everything is fair. And also, like, if you're going to get the wine, you get a wine that's over $10, not over 15 but you get a wine between 10 to 15 because, yes, your job is to get the wine, but you also want something that is drinkable or potable.
So uh, I wish everybody luck with their Yom Tov Covenants. We are dealing it with, with it uh, ourselves in our own household. Now, a piece of marriage advice. This is to the dear Aishas Chiles out there who listen to the podcast. And even if you don't, you can share this with Aishas Chiles. Here's, here's, here's what you're going to do. And this should save you uh, potentially a lot of issues down the road. When you give your husband instructions or a task or an errand, all those, what you need to do is keep it as literal and as detailed as possible. Don't leave anything out. Anything that is possible for your husband to make a mistake, he will make that mistake. So for example, I go grocery shopping. My wife writes, cucumbers, tomatoes, but there's no information on the tomatoes. It could be Roma tomatoes. It could be baby tomatoes. It could be tomatoes on a vine. I don't know what the purpose is. Are we going to have a tomato fight like they do in, in certain places, you know, when people just throw tomatoes at each other? There's no quantity. There's no information on the type of tomato. Ditto with a cucumber. There could be so many types of cucumbers. Also, the quantity. The best thing would be is to have a picture and say, here, husband, here, look, picture, look, picture, tomato, this tomato, you, six, one, two. So basically, it has all the information out there because otherwise, I'm going to be in a situation where I have to call you back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. It says here, radish. Do I get a thousand radishes? Do I get a palette? Do I get 100 radishes? Do I get five? So the, as much information and oversharing as much as possible. As it's, and, and then if you start thinking, whoa, this, I'm, sh you know, I'm giving him way too much details, then you know you're doing the right job. And that should help you avoid some issues. I want to share two personal anecdotes where I was in a situation where I've gotten you know, an errand from my dear wife, but the instructions were not literal enough. So for example, one time my wife asked me to transport a potluck, a roast. And I was carrying it and weighed a lot. And it was because of all the gravy. So my wife gives me an idea and she's like, why don't you ladle out some of the gravy? And so I proceed to ladle out almost all of the gravy. So now the roast is sitting in very shallow water, like it's up to its shins. And then my wife saw that, she naturally flips because she's like, what are you doing? I told you to ladle out so you can carry it, but don't just put it down the drain, which is what I did, put it in a jar. Like, how, how, how dumb could you be? Now, it's, again, it's not like I'm, I'm deliberately trying to sabotage the gravy situation because I don't wanna be asked for errands in the future, I've tried that, it doesn't help. My wife will continue to ask me. But, you know, my, had my wife told me, hey, listen, very slowly, un, you know, take, ladle out some gravy, put it in a mason jar, we're gonna use it for later, I would have avoided that situation. Again, my wife thought it would be super obvious because anybody with a half a brain could figure that out. Again, I'm a male, so I don't even have that half a brain. Another story. My wife was making water challah. And at some point in time, she leaves the house. And she, my wife says, 
do me a favor. And like, we're making al we need steam in the oven. I need you to take a cup of water and throw it into the oven. I guess the steam goes up when you do that. So I did that. But what I didn't realize was I took the cup of water and threw it directly onto the dough. Now, apparently what I should have done was thrown it under the bread. That way, steam would rise, but it would not impact the actual dough. But of course, my wife just said, throw in a cup of water. And I'm not really thinking, because again, I'm a man. So I went ahead with the task, but I didn't have all the information. Women, make it very easy. Maybe do like a comic strip. Pictures, numbers, brand names. Go over it with me. Over. Let's do a quiz. Your multiple choice just to make sure we're on the same page. Okay, we have another ad. We are rocking the ads today. Uh, this is for a product that's actually just launching, and I'm so glad to have him here as a sponsor. Hello from Tuppershare. We know you love your Tupperware, and we know food today is so expensive, like everything else that is so expensive. That's why we launched Tuppershare. Here's how it works. We send you brand new Tupperware, but the Tupperware is not empty. Instead, we have another family's leftover in your Tupperware. So you get not only Tupperware, which is just used once right now, but again, another family's leftover dinner or lunch or food is in that Tupperware. So you get two for the price of one. Please go to tuppershare.com at checkout. Use the coupon code SCHMOLTENDHOUSEPODCAST and you'll get a 10% discount. Don't worry, you Jew bastards. What? We have kosher too. Anyways, I thank you for the ad, and I don't know who wrote that copy, and I assume that the Jew bastards thing there was just a joke. Okay, so now we're going to continue on about the library. So library, great thing, great service to the community. It's free. They have a lot of books, which, of course, it means that nobody ever goes there anymore. It's quiet. It's like a cemetery. And what happens is when I go with my family, I try to implement a rule and tell my wife, let's only take out one book per person because we're never going to bring these books back anyways. And my wife says, no, let everybody have fun. And so however many books we check out, when the library sends us a letter like a month later that we owe books back to the library, it is every single book that we took out. And of course, we don't know where they are. I lent them to a brother-in-law. My kids took them in the car. They're lost under a seat, buried under popcorn. Those books are never, ever going to go back to the library. The second we walk out of the library, it is like a bomb exploded and those books have been destroyed forever. Now, my wife is always writing checks out to the Broward County Library in Seattle, the Seattle Library. And what we realized is that deep down, my wife and I, we are very with it and we love the arts. But then again, we give our money, most of our money, to the shul and to schools and Jewish causes and community causes. But at the same time, deep down, we want to give to the arts. But again, it would be irresponsible, you know, to give, you know, 
the Gemara says, don't give more than 20%, so we can't just be giving charity everywhere, willy-nilly. So what we do is, we kind of circumvent this problem. We take out a lot of books from the library, we never bring them back, but then we get to write checks to the city and to the municipalities to buy new books. So in essence, we are really giving money discreetly to the arts. Now, I do want to get a little political here, okay? Brace yourself. President Biden is doing like a $10,000 loan forgiveness for college loans. I have no problem with that. I do think that President Biden, if he wants to get votes, would have been much more successful and popular if he would have done a library card forgiveness program. That is right. The president ought to get up on TV. It's got to be at a time where people are home. Prime time. That was the word that I was looking for. And he ought to say, we know the economy is rough. We know all families, especially from families, are going to the library and never bringing the books back. Right now, my administration and I, we are announcing a library book forgiveness program. And then we won't have to continue giving to the arts until the next time we go to the library. I do want to say, I don't want to really complain because I hate complaining, but I do miss the good old days. I have a panging and a longing for just a couple, almost a year ago. And what I really miss right now is the mask shaming. I haven't been mask shamed or I haven't mask shamed anybody probably in months right now. Just the thrill of sitting next to somebody, be it on a plane or in shul, and somebody saying, hey, listen, it's just over your lips, but I can still see your nostrils. If you can just do us a favor, just do us that little favor and put it over. And the announcements and the plane, people coming over. I mean, what did this country come to? We were somebody at some point in time. We cared, you know. Is, is a person's nose being covered? Is their mouth fully covered? Can you see their ears? And now just society goes on and nobody's embarrassed anybody. Nobody's like shaming somebody else for not wearing a mask. It's dis- despicable. I want to talk about a halachic-related topic here now. And just, again, from, from the learning that I do, I want to debunk a rumor that's been going around. And that is, like people are saying that you know, some Paiskim say today that when married couples with young children engage in intimacy, the husband needs to make a Shechiano because it's so infrequent. That is complete bunk, and I don't know who's spreading the rumors, and it's, it's completely unsubstantiated. I do want to talk about uh, what the bracha would be if somebody needs to make or needs to take a Xanax. So, again, you don't have to because it's medicine, but... Theoretically speaking, if somebody would make a bracha on Xanax, what bracha would it be? So I, I was thinking two things. Either you can say, Sarki, thank you, Hashem, for giving me all my needs. This is one. I, you gave me anxiety, but now you gave me the remedy for the anxiety. The second thing is, I would think, is mater asurim. Like, a person was like, felt so trapped by my anxiety. You say, mater asurim, you take that little, the little Xanax, and uh, that, that will get you out of it. It'll make you really tired, too. I want to talk about for a minute about 
Twitter. There's a lot of conversations with Elon Musk suing Twitter, Twitter suing Elon Musk. There's conversations about bots. So I actually want to share a true story. Once upon a time, when I was working in corporate America, I did a advertising contract with Twitter. And it was a $100,000 I.O. insertion order for us to spend on ads. And it was mobile because most of Twitter users are going to be on mobile. Guess what? We were unable to get fill for those ads. Not even close. I'm not talking about $50,000 spent and that was it. Even a few thousand dollars, Twitter was unable to spend the money that we had allocated. I recall Facebook, and this is the years are, I would think, 2012, 13, 14. Facebook was a bottomless pit. It's able to spend endless amount of money. You can spend a million dollars a day advertising on Facebook. But Twitter, for whatever reason, again, I don't know how much of their users are bots, but there is definitely a lot of weirdness going on at that company where uh, I don't know how much of the information just in terms of their users. And again, this st story happened 10 years ago. But again, their complete lack of understanding, in my opinion, of how mobile ad works was a head scratcher. And so when I see these news stories today talking about bots and users, I definitely uh, feel it. So next story. When we talk about elo packing, I want to talk to you about shoal packing, what it's like to dive in a shoal in Florida where it is legal to own a firearm. The other Shabbos and Shoal, the security guard comes in and says, hey, or somebody came in with the security guard, probably some guy talking to the security guard, asking him how much he gets paid, you know, Shoal conversations. And the guy runs in and says, hey, you know, the security guard is nervous. Maybe some guy's coming into the parking lot with a weapon. Whoever has a gun, please come outside of Shoal. I turn around, there's nobody left in Shoal. And I'm like, hey, we have to have a minion there. Guys, come back in for Barcho because everybody is packing in Shoal. Why do I say the story? If somebody sits in your place or somebody cuts you off at the Kiddush line, probably doesn't make sense to have uh, an argument or to get very irate about it or to threaten the person just based on the shoal packing ratio that I have witnessed. So let's carry on. Wanted to share just a quick infuriating story that happened to me the other day. I had an opportunity to go out with my wife to Izzy's. I'm not a fan of going to restaurants in general. Uh, any any date in general with my wife that cost, you know, I would think over $20 is already <clears throat> living it up and probably living on the edge irresponsibly. But we went to Izzy's, and it is a smokehouse. I, you know, I was a little excited. Maybe I can smoke while I was there, but no, smokehouse apparently refers to the types of meat that they serve there. To make the long story short, we get the bill. It includes an 18% service charge, no problem. But then when I go pay with my credit card, it says, were you happy with the service? Would you like to give a 10% tip, a 15% tip, a 20% tip, a 40%, a 100,000% tip, $5 million in tip? Or there's an option that says no tip. You can't get to the next screen unless your finger pushes no tip. I could not in good conscience push that button no tip because I gave a tip. I paid 18%. Why not just have the word say no additional tip or another button that says, hey, I don't feel like getting squeezed for money I don't have right now since we already gave 18% 
you know, gratuity. Anyways, infuriating story. Uh, and it's not the only restaurant that it has, uh, just to be fair. Okay, we're almost done here. Two more things that I have to say before we get on to the interview. First of all, I do have an ad for Google. Thank you, another large technology company uh, that controls all the money and our lives. Okay, hello, we are Google. Our logo has fun colors. We are the big G. We know everything about you. Since you started using the internet, we have those Gmails that you have. And guess what? Anything you delete, we keep on our service because you may not want that information about you, but we certainly want to. Anyways, we also have your browsing history and your Google Maps information. But the best thing about this is, is we now have a phone called the Google Pixel. So yes, we have all this tracking information about you from all these types of apps that you're using us constantly, but we actually want you to use the Pixel. So now, if you look on TV, we have ads with young people that look happy, jumping around on the screen, kind of like Apple. Just get it a Google Pixel, please. We're gonna be very happy. We don't want to you know, have to reveal to the public the stuff that you've been searching for, all your web queries, that, all that stuff that you're looking on our private browser. Don't make us do that. Just buy a Google Pixel phone. Everything is gonna be okay. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Google Pixel, for that ad. Okay, the last thing I wanna talk about is highly controversial. I'm not a big fan of censorship. And uh, I do think there is a book or a series for children that ought to be banned from the libraries. They should not have it in schools. I have some of it in my house too, so I'm not even practicing what I preach, but now I'm preaching it. So perhaps I'll have an opportunity to practice it. And that is any book that is Curious George. We ought to get rid of all Curious George books. Here's, 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 don't, don't overreact. Here's what, here's what I mean. I have no problem with monkeys. I have no problem that a man with a yellow hat has a monkey. Everybody should be able to have a monkey. You can wear a yellow hat. I don't judge you. Now, the thing is, here's George. He's a little monkey. He's also very curious. That's okay. I have no problem with curiosity either. The thing is, is that George is constantly getting into trouble. He gets in trouble at the restaurant, at the amusement park, at the fire station. But again, that is what monkeys do. What I have a problem with is the man with the yellow hat. You are a responsible adult. Society has entrusted you to have a monkey. Nobody's going to bother you that you have a monkey. The problem is, every time you take him somewhere, you get distracted, you do something, you turn around, and George is making trouble. And so you have already proven to me time and time again that you are irresponsible and should not be entrusted to have a monkey, particularly a playful monkey or a monkey that's very curious who has a track record of getting into trouble. Like, again, this is a repeat offense, and nobody, you know, Everybody is quiet. People are afraid to say things. And enough is enough. I've been thinking about this for years. Now I have enough podcast to talk about it. And I'm very, very passionate about it. It's a terrible message for kids. It's a terrible message for society. 
And there's like this guy, Chef Pischetti. He has he has a kitchen and he's making spaghetti. George is running around that kitchen wreaking havoc. And again, like how many times does it need to happen? At some point in time, the sanitation department or somebody, you know, monkey family services should go to the man with the yellow hat and say, listen, two strikes you have right now. If the monkey does one more thing, he goes to the event, he's not looking at it, he's buying popcorn, he's, he's, he's checking out other singles who are at the event. I don't judge, but again, I do think the Curious George series ought to be banned for perverting our culture with terrible messaging just in terms of responsibility and accountability. Okay, that concludes the first part of our podcast. Like I mentioned before, I'm very excited to have a guest with me on the podcast. Uh, that is a banana who I, as Shmuel Tenenhaus, the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, will interview. And because bananas don't talk, I will channel the banana and do my best. This banana that we have is particularly shy, also hoarse from screaming at some uh, sporting event that he was at. Okay, so uh, first of all, so nice to have you here with us, uh, Banana. <clears throat> Thank you, it's nice to be here. Um, and also, uh, this is now Shmuel to Shmuel Tenna's podcast. What, how, how would you like to be referred to? Do you want to just be called Banana, Sir Banana, Mr. Banana? You can just call me Banana, that's fine. Okay, so Banana, I want to know, uh, this is a Jewish podcast, what bracha are you? I know some people think it's a eights, some people think it's a dama. So uh, I'm going to ask that question, but I do think that that is something that people could just Google, and you don't have to ask me that question. And uh, it's kind of patronizing, too, because uh, it's a dhamma, and it should be a eights. And if you don't mind, just going on to the next question. Okay, no problem. I, I will I'll go to the next question. Uh, as a banana, what do you do for fun? Well... Uh, that is actually a much better question than the first couple of questions that you had, which were actually terrible. So we kind of like, you know, I can speak for myself as a banana and also speak to for other bananas that I know. I kind of just like hanging on the tree, uh, kind of like a bush, you know, um, and that's why it's a dhamma uh, referencing the question you said before, but kind of hanging out. I, I like when I get peeled. I like when people eat us, mash us out. But, you know, again, usually the things that I like to do is uh, hang on a tree, and also if we can get some classical music going, it's always a fun time. Okay, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, next question, is there any tension between bananas and plantains, like any sort of rivalry? Uh, actually, no, we get along fine, bananas, plantains, we're kind of the same family. I mean, Every family has its politics. There's always one crazy person in the family that people kind of want to block their numbers or, or don't want them at family events. But I can say the same thing for bananas, right? So it's not a plantain versus banana thing. I would just say, you know, we get to look together as a whole and uh, there, there is peace between us. Uh, I actually have to go, so I'll give you one last question. Okay, thank you. Uh, back to Shmuel Tenas at the Shmuel Tenas podcast. I've uh, noticed... Bananas are gaining in popularity because now they are sold at Starbucks and in 7-Eleven. I wanted to ask your opinion because it's not often that I get to have a banana on the show. Do you think that's good for the banana or bad for the banana? 
actually, uh, this was probably your second to best question, other than what you do for fun. And uh, I could probably speak about this for a long time because there is an eternal debate within the banana community. But overall, I do think it's, it's a good idea because one, it gets more exposure for us. Two, I think a lot of bananas go rotten. And so just being, you know, having more distribution in convenience stores and Starbucks, you know, equals less rotten bananas in somebody's freezer. And I just think, you know, you know, some Starbucks are really nice. The music is kind of jazz and the lights are low. So we, we, you know, there are bananas who dig the ambiance as well. Okay, well, thank you very much, Mr. Banana. And sorry, not Mr. Banana, just like we said, casually banana. And uh, thank you for being on our show. It's really my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so uh, that concludes the interview with the banana. Next week, we potentially are trying to book either uh, a bushel of grapes or a dozen peaches. Uh, we'll keep you posted on how it all goes down. Thank you very much for joining me this week on the Shmuel Tenenhaus Podcast. And we will be back next week for more fun. Talk to you soon.